You know, you know what's, uh, what's interesting is that, you know, in the African-American church, we make a lot of noise, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, we make a lot of noise sometimes, and it's just noise. But until one day, I was actually reading, um, and I've been telling this story all year long, about Bartimaeus, who was blind. And there was a lot of commotion going on where he was. And it says that um, this man is blind, he can't see. And then one day, he's heard stories, he's heard rumors. Um, and he said that he was out sitting, and one day he hears some commotion coming. And it says, the people are saying that Jesus is coming. And in his mind, honey, he's thinking to himself, the man that everybody's been talking about is on the way. And more importantly, he's thinking, I got one shot at this. I got one shot at this because I can't physically see him where he's going, so I can't follow. So I got one shot at this. And the Bible says that when he came passing by, he knew that because of the sound the people were making that he had to be close. And he started yelling out, thou son of David, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Thou son of David, thou son of David. And it's interesting that this blind man who clearly hadn't been able to read the scrolls could identify him as the son of David. And he keeps on and it says that the disciples was like, now these are the people that are following Jesus. So I'm like, hey, 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 man, you gotta, you gotta calm down. You gotta calm, you gotta chill. And he says that when they told him that, he started yelling louder, thou son of David, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Louder and louder, he began to lift his voice. He began to pull from here. And the Bible says that Jesus stops and he turns and he says, bring him to me. Now, out of all the people that was following Jesus, spectating, including the disciples who were supposed to be on a disciplined journey, Jesus paid attention to one man who did one thing, he showed pursuit. Bring him to me. And Jesus lays hands on this man and the man is healed. Now, it's interesting that this year is the year 2020, and everybody is saying that this is the year of what? Perfect vision, 2020 vision. And the thing that I think is in the way is this, is that whatever the condition of your heart, it decides how you're able to see. Your heart level determines your capacity to see. It's not something that 2020 can give you that your vision becomes clear. It's something that has to take place at the heart level. The heart of humility. You know, it takes a lot for a man who can't see, who's desperate enough to know he needs that this man to do something for him, despite all the people that can see, all the people that can walk. And you know what's interesting about vision? Vision activates the rest of your senses and the rest of your mental capacity. Have you ever tried to walk and with something, a blindfold on? Like even if you know this building, try to do a blindfold and see what happens. You'll go to the bathroom and end up outside in the parking lot. But with vision, now he can follow Jesus. And the Bible says that he ends up following him, he goes to the temple. What I'm trying to say is, is your pursuit has to look like, if, especially if you're desperate, you got to do something different to get something that you've never got before. Now I'm about to say something, I know it's going to sound a little weird, but if you take my word for it, I'm telling you, we get ready to see something happen. 
Now, the reason I'm talking about the heart level is because in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus sees Nathaniel coming, and he looks at him and he says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no guile. He was saying here is an Israelite whose heart is in a really, really good condition. Like his heart has no guile. Two verses later, Jesus says, well, because of this, you're going to be able to see the angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man. Which let me know that Nathaniel's heart level caused him to be able to see the open heaven. Four, four chapters later, guess what happens? There was an angel that descended that was at a pool that was troubling the waters for sick people to get in. That same angel is in this room this morning. Like he's really here. So, you know, what ends up having to happen today is once I go in to talk about what he's giving me, you got to make a decision. Number one, you got to ask yourself, am I desperate enough? And if I am, am I willing to do whatever it takes? Am I willing to be the loudest person in the room? You know, it's interesting because, you know, in America, we're so, we're so resourceful, you know, we're, we have everything we need. We, we don't lack for anything. But when myself and like Pastor Josh and some of the others, when we go to other countries and we see people who have nothing, who don't have the capacity to be able to go to uh, your local medic, medic offices or ER hospitals. And so what happens is these people are desperate. So when they hear that a man of God is coming, everybody in the city will come out because they know I got one shot at this. So, you know, guys like me who go and have seen like tumors fall off people and arms grow and who have seen, you know, people levitate with spirits and God just cast them out and then fill them with the Holy Spirit. You know, it kind of changes you. It makes you another kind of disciple. So if you wonder why Pastor Josh is on the edge like that, it's when you've seen these things, you know what God is capable of. And then when you come home and you see the people in our cities who are in similar situations that these people, and you ask yourself, well, Lord, why? What is it? It's one thing. It's pursuit. It's pursuit. It's pursuit. Am I willing to humble my heart enough to pursue Jesus at all costs? Or do I just want enough for daily bread? Or do I want to be made whole? You have to make a decision about, is my situation bad enough? I seen the gentleman at the back over here, and I seen him going for God. He was all broke up in his heart. That's what pursuit looks like. I would much rather pursue him on this side than have to pursue him like Lazarus did and just hope that he come see about me. Matthew chapter 18, verse 35 is where I'm going. It's an interesting verse because much of what we want God to do, much of what we want to see, if anybody who biblically is sound, you know that there were only three feasts that we were supposed to keep. Two of them have passed already spiritually all right two of them have already passed passover has passed pentecost has passed there is only one more major feast that we are owed and that's tabernacles and tabernacles deals with the open heaven why did i bring that up because i just told you that the same man nathaniel whose heart was clear was able to see the open heaven 
Jesus, when he was baptized, came up out of the water and what happened? The heavens were open and everything that happened after that was under an open heaven. He had no lack. Everywhere he went, people were being healed. If they were starving, he was multiplying food. It's, 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 we're under an open heaven. That's how come I can see the angel from John chapter 5 in here today. Matthew 18, 35. It's a story and Jesus is having a conversation because they said, which one of us is the greatest? Jesus goes and tells a story. He talks about a king. He says that this king said that he called into account one of his servants. And he said that the man essentially in our terms owed him $52,000. He was going to throw this man in jail and his wife and his kids. And it says that the man begins to beg, right? Beg for mercy. Like, Lord, please, like, have mercy on me. Like, don't, don't do it. Just let me, give me another chance. So it says that the king had compassion. Like Pastor Josh said, so you know this message has got to be about Jesus because he talked, he said the king had compassion. He let the man go. This same man went out and found a man that owed him $52 and yoked the man up by the neck and said, pay me my money. Bro, pay me my money. Let me get it. And the man was like, I don't have it right now. I had to buy diapers. I had to buy some milk. I, I got, matter of fact, negative $2 to my name right now. And the man said, he wasn't going to let him go and had this man thrown in prison over $52. There were some people standing by that saw the whole ordeal, right? So they went and told the king what had happened. So they said, oh, king, that man that you let go that owed you $52,000, his debt, his offense to the king was that he owed him $52,000. He said, this same man came out here in the marketplace and yoked the guy up over $52 and had him thrown in prison. He can't, he can't supply for his family. He's locked up. He can't even get the $52. He probably could have made it in the next day or so. He can't get it now because he's in jail. So the king calls this man into account and he says to him, he was like, what is this that I've heard? The man has to own up. And it says that the king is wroth and throws this man in prison. Now, at the end of this story, you got two people in prison because somebody refused to pardon or forgive a debt. The last verse, can we put that last verse? I want you, you got to see, seeing is believing. Seeing is the dominant sense that awakens everything else. It's Matthew 18, 35, I'm for sure. Because when you see this, you got to understand the reality. Listen. Why are they getting that? See, this is what you got to understand. Being a Christian is not enough. Coming to church is not enough. The Pharisees were doing all of that. And Jesus called into question one thing about them. He said, your mouth is for me, but your heart is far away. When I tell you that God is concerned about us at the heart level, why? Because at the heart level, out of the, listen, <laughs> The issues of life proceed from the heart. The mouth only speaks what is in the heart. So this is why, and, and this is what the point that Jesus was trying to make. It takes a unique, I'm being nice, first lady, a unique person to, for the Bible to say that the mouth says what's in the heart, but for a person to say something out their mouth and their heart be far. It takes a special kind of person. That's why Jesus was mad at the Pharisees. He was like, yo, Y'all come and talk about how good I am and how I'm this, that, and the third, 
but your heart is far, far away. Matthew, verse 35, 18, so likewise, he's talking about in this case, if a person refuses to forgive somebody, not with your mouth, but at the heart level, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother that trespasses. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Back up one verse. I want you to see what happened to this guy. Verse 34 shows you what happened. So you see, it's not just enough to just say it with my mouth. I've got to say it and believe it. It's got to be. You know why this is so important? Because you can't even receive salvation if you don't believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You got to, it's got to start here first. Why? Because the heart has to believe to have the capacity to receive the Spirit of Christ. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now, it says that the king threw this man to the tormentors until he was willing to pay his debt because he wouldn't forgive another man that owed him $52 after he had forgiven him. And then this is Jesus telling the story. And then Jesus goes on and says that my father will make you a prisoner. Now, this is what's interesting about this, Pastor Josh. Is, let me talk to you because you read your Bible. Is Jesus not the son of God? Did he not die and come back? And the, so in Matthew that he had all power in heaven, in earth, under the earth, things above the earth, beneath everything in it. So there's nothing he can't do. Is he not the creator? There's one thing in the Bible that he said he cannot do. He says, if my father puts you in prison, I can't get you out. If you at the heart level don't forgive the people who have offended you, the Father in heaven makes you a prisoner, and there's nothing that Jesus can do about it. The man who created the world, the man who created us, humanity, the man who created all things in the heaven, above the heaven, under the earth, everything, the galaxies, he's bound by the condition of your heart. Now that sounds harsh, that the Father would throw you in heaven. And what's even more interesting, is that word tormentors in the Greek is the word basinistes. And it speaks of a jailer. It's like a warden, a jailer. And it really means in, the, in, its, in its connotation that these tormentors, that they torment you until you're willing to forgive. Wait, let me back up. So you're saying that God the Father, if I don't forgive or I have offenses and things in my heart harbored, that he's going to make me a prisoner, he's going to turn me over to a group of tormentors, and they're going to torment me until I decide to forgive? Yes! And there's nothing that Jesus, the Son of God, can do. Here's a unique question, my friend. Tell me what happens if we have people that are in our local assemblies with unforgiveness, and they come Sunday after Sunday. They participate in worship, they come up and have Pastor Josh and the other ones pray for them, but there's unforgiveness at the heart level. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that do? It Listen, Pastor Josh works for God. He's highly employed by him. So if Jesus can't do nothing for him, what do you think we can do? Now let me make it easier for you because 
the truth of the matter is, none of us in here just signs up to have issues at the heart level. Some of us grew up, didn't have mom, didn't have dad. Some of us grew up, we experienced sexual abuse. Some of us grew up, we had reared by our grandparents. We seen dad was a drunk, we seen him abusive. We seen mom be in and out. We got all these situations that happen and really what it is is we just haven't been taught conflict management. So what we did was we moved on, but moving on and letting go is not the same thing. Let me say it again. Moving on and letting go is not the same thing. Moving on just means that I depend on time to help me get over or get past whatever's happened, but the offense is still here. Letting go means that I deal with the people who have offended me at the heart level because it's in there. If it's in your heart, it's there. And if it's in your heart, it's in your life. Some of us have been through some of the most traumatic situations in life. And this is why it's hard for you to come in here and really engage in the worship and the Spirit of God because He definitely was here this morning. My God, the praise team opened the river this morning. I'm telling you, it was flowing. Most of us couldn't get in that river because at the heart level, we're burdened down. We got too many offenses that keep us burdened down like in our seat. We can't engage the Lord Jesus because of that reason. So we grow older. Some say we grow wiser. But we keep our offenses. Some of us have been through one or two bad marriages, bad relationships. People cheated. Some of us was left with children, having to raise them by ourselves. It's trauma at the heart level. You don't want to hold on to it, but you don't know how to let it go. I went with Pastor Josh about two years ago to West Virginia. And I, I played bass, so I was filling in. I guess for the bass player, Pastor Josh was singing. He looked down, he called me over, he said, minister to the people. And I was like, what? I thought I was just coming to play bass. So I stepped to the mic, and immediately the Holy Spirit revealed to me, showed me that there was a man in the room who for 20 years clearly had been dealing with some type of PTSD, some type of he couldn't sleep, like something traumatic that had happened. It looked like somebody had died, right? Well, nobody came, and you know what I'm saying? When you do what I do long enough, you realize you trust God and you leave everything else to Him. Well, at the end of the service, the man came up to the stage, right? And he asked if he could talk to me. I was like, sure. I'm thinking, you know what I'm saying? He just wants to say hello or something. That man said, I was the guy you was talking to. He said, 20 years ago, I was in the war, Desert Storm. And he said, I had to pull the trigger on a kid that had a bomb strapped. And he said, ever since then, I've been troubled in my sleep. He said, I've carried that in my heart. He said, I've come back to the States. He said, it has affected my marriage. It's affected my relationship with my kids. I can't be around my grandchildren. He was like, because I don't sleep. And when I do sleep, I'm so on the edge with what I experienced over there. Like, it just makes me just crazy. He said, but I want to be free. So we prayed for the man right there. Well, the next night, the man came back, and the wife was the one who did the talking. She was like, I want to know what happened because my husband came home and slept 12 hours. <laughs> did it not happen? 
And every now and again, I get a message from this lady and say, my husband, he's still doing good. He's still doing good. Like, let's try another one. About a month and a half ago, a lady reached out to me for prayer. It's always weird when people do that. And they be like, they be like man of God, can you pray? And I'm like, did you try to pray first? Like, I get it. I get it. I get it. They think some of us are closer. Immediately when she asked, just like that, the Holy Spirit just spoke out of me. He was like, if you will forgive the tumor that you have the size of a baseball, it'll be gone by the next time you go to the doctor. Well, I didn't know a doctor's appointment was in like two days. Well, she had two days to make a decision, honey. It's either I'm going to obey what was told to me or I can continue. Well, she must obey. She went because that tumor was gone. And I only bring that up to say this. One, it's the power of Jesus, and I'm telling you, he's here today. But number two, it shows us that now for the Holy Spirit to reveal that to me, then it must have been that the unforgiveness at the heart level had produced a tumor in the body. See, sickness is attracted to things when it's in the out of the heart proceeds the issues of life. Is cancer, is tumors, is it not an issue? Yes. And does that mean that all cases are like that? No. But what else could be the torment? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? We had a service on Friday night. It was called No Fear. Perfect love cast out all fear. You know, we dealt with anxiety and panic and fear. We dealt with all of this stuff. And early that day, the Lord told me, he says, I'm going to be through there. I'm going to set some people free to this. He showed sure up, came, room full of people, just came set free bound because they had stuff in their heart the next morning i woke up somebody said i don't even know how they got my email send me it was like 5 40 in the morning and was like hey i was at the service last night and the lady just spilled like everything she was like man in my heart like i had been raped by my stepfather i they lied to me about who my real father i mean it was just a whole lot of stuff she was like but i was willing to forgive them she was like, in the service, I forgive them. She was like, and God healed me and made me whole. And I slept a full night last night. See, our problem is, is that we expect people to come back and make things right. And the fact of the matter is, they're not coming. How long has it been? 5, 10, 15, 20? They, they ain't coming. Wait, man, they... It ain't like we don't got public transportation. They just not coming. So that means at this point, you've got to do something. Because the truth of the matter is, only the pure in heart shall see the Lord. And that's just not talking about going heaven. That's being able to see him now. We can't do ministry if we can't see the Lord because he's the Lord of the harvest. How am I going to do ministry work and not partner with the Lord of the harvest? He says, I'm the one that sends laborers into the vineyard. That's why he said it. He works along with us. But his first condition is to look at us at the heart level. So we get in relationships. And see, when your heart level is in trouble, you know what you do? It affects your relationship with everybody. People try to help you. And see, this is what most people don't ever see. Because when your heart is bruised and when you're offended and things like that, you end up hurting other people. You know how they say hurt people, hurt people? You really, really do. Because when you get genuine people who come who genuinely just, they don't want anything, they just want to love on you, you know what I'm saying? You know what you do? You push them people away. 
You treat them people like trash because it was done to you. You haven't recovered from it. Now, two things get to happen to them, really three. Number one, I'm telling you, like, the water up here is troubled. You know what I'm saying? So anything that's in here can really, really be resolved. I don't say that. You know, it's, you know we say stuff like that, and people kind of be like, oh, yeah. But it's just when you, we've seen, when you've seen what we've seen, it's a, a different kind of, you know, thing. But it starts with the heart. Like, some of you guys' hearts in here are going to have to open. What you're going to have to do, you're going to have to be like, I think it was Martha with the alabaster box. You know, the alabaster box was Mary. You know, it was like a, the substance was, it was really, it was oily, but it was so hard that it was almost hard to break. And they paid a lot of money for it because they were supposed to save it until they got married. And so, I don't know how much she spent for it, and she knew Jesus wasn't the one, but she saw something in him and decided she was going to break that box and pour oil on the feet of the king. Now, our hearts are just like that alabaster box. It builds up that claggy, coily, oily substance around it when we deal with issues. Because you know what we try to do? We try to protect ourselves. So we build up these walls. Oh, I'm talking to somebody up in here. We build up these walls and, you know, it makes our, the, not the heart hard. It makes like a callus around it. And so then when Jesus comes in the room and he's flowing, we miss him. Because he only draws close to the heart. No wonder he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You ever tried knocking on a piece of meat you haven't cooked? Good luck with that. You know, like a piece of chicken? Not like the leg, like the, 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 the breast. You ever seen a breast? You ever tried knocking on a breast? Good luck with that. There's no sound. But when the heart or something is hard and you knock, there's a sound that comes. So what today has to happen for some of you, some of you have to be willing to break that alabaster box and pour that oil on the feet of Jesus because he's here. Like if you want to be healed, if you want to be able to sleep at nighttime, because I know insomnia is in here, if you want to get rid of your anxiety because I could feel in it earlier because I thought I was having one earlier and I was like, that can't be me. I just got here. If you want to get rid of that, I'm telling you, you get an opportunity. But it's going to cost you gonna cost you it's gonna cost you a pursuit while you're here and then some of you you're gonna have to pull out your phone you got to pull out a pad and you're gonna have to write down the names of the people that you know was in your heart that has offended you and you don't know what you got to go do come here can you come here honey this is what you got to do you're gonna have to call them or go see them and say listen you know 15 years ago like I thought we was really close friends and now I got to pick something because I love her. <laughs> pick something. You know, you, you stole $52,000 and you left and never came back. I just want to let you know I forgive you. And I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus said this, if you come to the altar and bring a gift, when you come and you remember while you're at the altar that you have an offense with someone or someone has an offense with you, leave the gift at the altar and go and make it right with your brother and then come and then I'll receive the gift which means God puts a premium on forgiveness above your gift of worship and, and 
If you've come to the altar to bring me a gift, and you remember why you're giving the gift, how many people came and, and was praising this morning, brought, brought a gift of praise? That's a wonderful thing. You should do that. And brought a gift of worship. But if in the middle of that you remember, I've got an offense with somebody, or they've offended me, Jesus literally says, leave the gift there. Because really, you're not going to enter into worship until you go and make the offense right with your brother or your sister. And then once you've made it right, then come again, and I'll receive it. I'm going to say secondarily, don't forget this. You, some of you really pushed back hard when, when he was talking about punishment. Let me, let me help you out. We're punished more by our sins than we are for our sins. Sin is its own punishment. The Father is not going to sit back and become angry and beat you. What He's going to say is, if you choose this, I set before you life and death, blessing, but if you choose cursing, then I'll give you cursing. If you choose to walk in unforgiveness, you're, then that's a prison. It's a prison. You become a prisoner in your own mind because you choose not to forgive. It's not like the Father is angry at you. It's not like He's full of vengeance. He's going to take it out because He can't take it. No, He says, you choose this? You want to choose unforgiveness after all that I've done? Fine, have unforgiveness. But you're going to forfeit your right to walk in, in, in the inheritance as a son and daughter. You're punished more by your sins than you are for your sins. Which He hit my next point. If you come and you have a gift, leave your gift and go and make, make it right. See, essentially, all the great of the kingdom. See, when you become believers, you live in the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is reflective of the garden of God. And so what happens now is, is of all the things that God can say cannot happen in my kingdom, this is one that he put a high stake on that said, well, if you do, then you get, you got to be a prisoner. Still in my kingdom, but you're still a prisoner until you Because imagine what it would be like if he had a bunch of sons and daughters running around with unforgiveness in their heart. And you know what? See, the penalty is because, like he said, it's, it's more because of your choice for the sin. Listen, the reason is because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe him would not perish but have everlasting life. He sent his son. See, in my culture, we, we do a lot of this. We do a lot of saying, the, uh, pleading the blood of Jesus over everything. But the truth of the matter is the blood of Jesus was for our protection from God. Because sin puts us at all against him, so the blood was for us to cover us. So he's saying, if I'm gonna send my only son to die so that you can be forgiven, then you got one job, and that's to forgive your brother. And not just forgive him with the mouth, you got to forgive him at the heart level. Y'all know what's bad? You know what's angry and see, see, and then when you start letting, as time and life goes on, these issues, they add up, they add up before you know it, man, you got a laundry list of issues in your heart that you haven't dealt with. Not necessarily because you don't want to. Number one, you probably don't know how. And number two, it's hard to have these hard conversations most of the time with people that you love, like family. It's different when you got to go talk to that uncle or that stepfather that may have sexually abused you when you was a child. It's hard. It's hard to go have that conversation with dad and be like, dad, why wasn't you there? Why did you leave? It's hard to have that conversation. Mom, why, didn't, why did you keep my brothers and sisters but gave me away? Why did you do that? 
It's hard to have those kind of conversations. It's hard to go to an ex and be like, I gave you everything. Why did you leave? Most of us just needed, if we had an explanation, we would be okay. But these people aren't coming. And so these things are, they're, they're, they're harboring in your heart. Now you got to make a decision. Even in that same chapter, in the beginning, Jesus even gives us a script of what to do as believers when we have issues in the body. And I'm saying this is because I love Pastor Josh. I love the Button family. And I'm going to tell you what the enemy is getting ready to try to do. He's getting ready to try to bring conflict to slow down what God is getting ready to do or what he's going to continue to do. Because get ready to escalate. He says, if you have something against your brother, your first line of defense is you should go to him. If I got an issue with Pastor Josh, my first offense, I should go to him. Pastor Josh, X, Y, and Z. If Pastor Josh doesn't receive me, then what I do is I come, I gather two other neutral people and say, hey, I just need you to meet. I go back with Pastor Josh and I try again. If that don't work, then we bring him before the church. And that doesn't mean like Sunday morning, you come up here and get him like, hey, no, it means like the elders of the church or whoever the who's who, whoever, and then you bring it. And if they don't forgive you after that, they become essentially like you just let it go. You, you did what? That's your line of defense. So when stuff stirs up in here, that's your first line of defense. You go to them and then you take two people. I'm telling you, it's common. Because see, conflict management is a way that in the secular world and the church that the enemy slows down progress. You know what I mean? Churches done shut down because of conflict or split because conflict arise and nobody was humble enough to deal with the situation. Nobody was humble enough to apologize even if they weren't wrong. See, you got to believe that John 10 and 10 says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That what didn't mean literally. It means... It was a Greek term for tactics, methods. He brings subtle methods, and unforgiveness is one of those. But he says, I come that you would have life and life more abundantly. Not church, not praise team, but life. He wants you to live, and not just live, but to live at a high level. But it's going, you got to do something on your part. We live in a kingdom, the greatest kingdom on earth. And now he's is asking us to take an account like the king did at the heart level and say, is there something in my heart that I need to deal with? See, because Matthew 12 speaks of that when the spirit goes out of a man, he goes to dry places and then he recruits and he comes back to see if it's empty, swept, and garnished. He comes back to see is, is there, because you know like whenever you got stuff in your heart, that gives the enemy legal right. It's, it's, it's not just... Like you said, this is not just God trying to punish you because Satan is a, essentially a part of that same kingdom. He understands legalities. That's why he, they, the Bible calls him the devil, the accuser of the brethren. So you know what he does? He comes before God and be like, hey, Pastor Josh, he has something in his heart he's not dealing with. That gives me legal access, right? It's a legal matter. It's a legal matter. It's a legal matter. But see, what can happen, we can be like Peter and John was when they was in jail. You know, we can, we can praise to a certain point, we can come out, unless it's offense at the heart level. And I was that person. I had stuff in my heart that I carried. That's how come I know I didn't have the skill, number one, of how to do it or what to do. 
Because you know what? I felt like they owe me apologies. They should be coming to me. But guess what? I was knocking on 30 and they hadn't come yet, honey. What was I going to keep doing? But when the Lord brought it to my attention, he was like, hey, man, you got to go. So you know what I did? I went to him. And I'm going to be personal with y'all. The first person on my list was my dad. You know why? Because coming up in ministry, some stuff happened. And I'm a big family person. I love my family. That's my sister. That's my dad. I love my family. And I felt like the, you know, the church was essentially put before our family. And in the, the last couple years of my mom's life, it got really, really bad. It's like some really, really bad stuff happened. And I felt like, you know, my mom was disrespected in a great way. And so those things had been adding up. So he was the first person I had to go to. And I went to him. I prayed about it. I said, Lord, when I go to him, let the timing be right. And when I went to him, before I could even start the conversation, he is already apologizing. See, I think I'm up here just making this up. I'm telling you from personal experience. It was a block. See, the reason now that I can move in such freedom in the spirit is because I, I guard my heart. The Bible says, guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. That word keep literally means to protect from besiegers and assault. Like you got to be like God was. He loved his children. He loved Adam and Eve. But when they messed up, he kicked them out. And then the Bible says he placed cherubim at the gate. He was guarding what was his. The garden of God is nothing but a reflection of his heart. So people always ask me, well, well, what do I do? Like, do I keep? No, just guard your heart. You can still love people. And not just totally not have nothing to do with them. He's calling us this morning to examine ourselves at the heart level. You can get rid of some of the issues, some of the sleepless nights, some of the anxiety. You can, you can get rid of the most of y'all just like the burdens that you carry. You don't even know you're carrying them right now because you've been carrying them so long. It's like putting on a weighted vest. It, in the beginning it feels heavy, but after like 10 minutes of working out, you don't know what's there until you take it off. It don't matter if you're just visiting. It don't matter if you're on the praise team. It don't matter if you're playing an instrument. God is calling all of us into account this morning to take account of our heart and ask ourselves, is something there? You know what's there. What are you going to do about it now? He's saying, hey, I've come to help you. See, the Father only reveals his heart because of his love. Like if he's telling you, like, listen, my child, like this is a major situation that you really don't know the ramifications for. So don't take this as an offense. Take this as me, as the loving Father, loving you enough to reveal my heart to you so we can go to the next place. So if that's you, like two things to do. It's going to take pursuit. And then some of you, when you leave here today, when you get out in the car, you might have to open your phone and write some names down. Say these are the, because when you got an offense in your heart, it's always rooted to somebody. So you got to forgive the people. Some of you got to forgive life. I had to forgive life. I was mad at life. You know why? My mom died at 49. She was much like Pastor Josh's mom. Just great lady, great Christian, did everything, had no problem, died septic at 49. 
I thought she was going to be healed. I heard it and, and passed away at 49. And I was mad because, you know, we had a great relationship with our mom. Great. We went on trips like we just great. And I, I knew people that hated their mom. I had a friend. Her and her dad fell out literally over $60. And I, I hadn't seen her in years. And I seen her at the gas station. I was like, hey, how's your mom, dad doing? She was like, mom's doing good. She was like, I haven't talked to my dad in five months. And I know this had to be the Holy Ghost. Uh, she said, I was like, why you ain't talk to him? So she was like, tell me about the situation, the $60. Something came out and said, honey, listen. My mom had passed by and said, listen, it would behoove you because you don't know where death is to go and make that right. I say, $60 is not enough money to be upset with, with your dad. And then the woman just told me that she had just got a settlement like four weeks ago for like $120,000. I don't know if she listened or not. Do you? Four weeks later, the man had a heart attack and died. Four weeks. <laughs> Four weeks later, I seen the girl three weeks after that. She refused to go and make that thing right. Over $60. I'm telling you, like, it's, it's, it's not worth it. You don't know where death is. This time, two weeks ago, Kobe Bryant got on a plane. Routine trip, didn't make it back. We don't know where death is. You see, I don't fear death because I know what's on the other side. Some of us have seen heaven already, so we know where we're going. See, most of y'all think you gotta wait till the rapture to see heaven. Okay, I'm gonna leave it alone. He's calling your heart into account this morning. If, you, if you're in here, and see, what happens is, when you preach messages like this, what happens is, you'll be sitting there and you'll know it's you, and what'll happen is you'll feel that heaviness come on you. You know what that is? That's the enemy's last line of defense to keep you bound. Because he knows that when the light of the Word of God is revealed, the first thing it does, it shines on the heart. The secret places. I'm going to tell you one more story and I'm going to open the altar. I'm going to show you. So because I'm so concerned about my capacity to be able to hear the voice of God and to be in right relationship with Him in that regard, because whenever my, your heart is, is, is cluttered, it, it really hinders your capacity to hear God and see what He's saying. Like you can get a message or see something and you won't see it correctly because you got stuff, because the heart has a lens over the eyes. So every other month, or sometimes every month, I'll be like, Lord, if there's something in my heart hidden that I don't know about, I want you to reveal it to me. Sometimes there's something, sometimes there's nothing. Well, I prayed it this time, and guess what happened? That night I went to sleep, and I saw myself in a car when I was 17, and I was dating a girl. Well, where we had been talking. And so in the prior weeks, I was like, yo, I like, I like this girl. I was like, man, I like her. She's so cool. I was like, I'm going to ask her to be my girlfriend. We had been hanging out. We done went out for my birthday. She went to West. I went to Statesville. She done came to my games. Like, we met because I went to the local community store, and I didn't know she lived in my neighborhood. It came down on the aisle never, and was like, hey, is this you? And it kind of started from there. So we was in the car, I shot my shot. Y'all know what that means, I shot my shot. I'm talking about, I hit it with the crossover first and then shot it. 
I hear I was like, yo, you've been hanging out, like I've been having a good time, like I really like you like that. And I'm talking about it was a sweet crossover. Shot my shot, and she was like, she was like, nah, I can't do it. No, I can't do it. I was like, what? I was like, what? I didn't even ask. Like she went, I was like, okay. You know, just let the complete wind out of my bag. Like I thought I had it in the bag. Just let the so I got out the car, went home, and we went our separate ways. She got engaged and married like two months later. 15 years has went by, and the Lord showed me this in a dream, right? The next morning I woke up, I was like, surely I still ain't got that down in there somewhere. I probably, like we kind of cool now, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, Lord, if this is you, give me another sign. Well, that same day, Jesus, I was on Instagram, and all of a sudden, I get a heart like, and it's her. I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even know we was friends on Instagram. She's not even like a media kind of person that way. I was like, dang. So you know what I did? I inboxed out. I was like, hey, how are you? How's it going? Seen. This is back. So about two, couple messages. How's life? All that kind of good stuff. So I told her about the situation. I was like, hey, I, you know, I just wanted to, you know, say like this happened and, it, you know, clearly it affected me. I don't know if I felt rejected or what it was. You know, God's the one. Pretty boys don't admit rejection, right? <laughs> it's, it's tough on you. I, I get it. Trust me. She messaged me back and said, I apologize. She was like, you were the first guy that ever treated me like something and you made me realize I had daddy issues. And I didn't know it until I got a guy that treated me right. So all the time initially, I thought it was me and it had nothing to do with me. See, the point I wanna make with that is that some of y'all, you're mad at people and hold on to the stuff and you thought it was about you and it had nothing to do with you. Nothing. Nothing. You were essentially a victim of circumstances. Like it, it, it wasn't you, it just happened to you. You just happened to be the victim. Oh. And so just to think like all this time, like I didn't even know it was down there. Like we're still cool. Like I see her once a blue, I see her mom. Show to me. That taught me a major lesson. I thought it was me. Mom, I thought it was me. She said I had daddy issues. See, I had chosen all the, this was a straight A student, like made straight A's, like just top of the line, had daddy issues and didn't know it. And I seen no sign, like when we was trying to get to know each other, none, What's, I seen no sign. And I didn't know until 15 years later. That's how some of you are. It's been that long and you thought it was about you. You thought it was just done to you, but it probably had nothing to do with you. If you're in here and you know that this is you, you need to take account at the heart level. I'm asking you to come. See, most, in most cases like this, like prophetically, like I think my gift is really that strong where I could probably tell you what it is. But you know why I don't do that? Because you gotta show the pursuit like Bartimaeus did. Like you have to say, man, I'm tired of where I'm at. Like I'm tired of, carrying these burdens. I'm tired of being heavy. I'm tired of being, I want my family put back together. Like, I want to be able to love again. I want to be able to love my wife to full capacity. I want to be able to love my husband to full capacity without none of this stuff in a way. I want to